You're listening to Powerhouse Players, sitting down with the best and the brightest in building and shelter solutions. Brought to you by Tracti. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Joining me today on the podcast is Rob Chaffee. He's the Executive Director of Integrated Packaging for Tracti. Rob, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, Tyler, good to be with you. Absolutely. And today on the Powerhouse Players podcast by Tracti, we're discussing difficult locations and why they're ideal for e-house applications. And as a matter of just kind of recapping where we've been in the past, uh, Rob, I want to just kind of hop backwards a little bit and talk about what makes e-houses a good idea in the first place. So an, an e-house helps the end user get a project to completion um, without having to bring multiple trades to the site. So within, within the e-house itself, we combine equipment from multiple manufacturers, um, bringing high-valued electrical equipment into that e-house. So we save them money uh, by building it in a factory environment. We help compress schedules, um, and we do it all within the confines of our um, quality-controlled factory uh, manufacturing environment. So you find that the, that prefabricating these e-houses kind of makes them, uh, I guess, puts them at a higher quality. You're able to quality control and quality check everything along the way because you're able to kind of be there and be a little bit more hands-on with the product. Yeah, exactly. And, and so we're not bringing multiple trades to a um, static job site. All of those trades exist within our factory and plant and work together on every project for completion. Absolutely. So today we're talking about um, these difficult locations. And we mentioned difficult locations. I was wondering if you could kind of flesh out what we mean by that, uh, by difficult locations and what makes them difficult in the first place. Yeah. So certainly um, looking at the product we build, uh, some folks might say that any location is a difficult location, right? (laughs) I could see that. Some of the the projects uh, uh, we'll talk about here in a little bit um, are 26 feet wide. 66 feet long and over 160,000 pounds. Wow. So you can imagine bringing that anywhere from point A to point B is a, is mm-hmm. a difficult project. But now let's make that even worse. Let's say we're going to put that eight stories up on top of a hospital roof in a crowded inner city location in lower Manhattan. That sounds quite challenging to me, Rob. <laughs> I'm just, just just being honest. So, um, okay, so yeah, those those are challenging locations. So we're talking on top of uh, buildings, and uh, I, I would guess maybe under bridges and other places like that. Yeah, so under the bridge would bring another challenge. So typically, our product is lifted into its final location by a crane. So if our e-house is going under another object, we no longer have the ability to lift it from overhead with a crane. So we have to get a little creative on how we get this heavy, large object off of a truck and into its final destination. Wow. So I don't want to kind of pigeonhole what you guys do to a certain extent, but this sounds like you would be retrofitting buildings with this particular product, right? So you're, you're putting it up on top of an already existing hospital. And what's, what, what would the purpose of that be in that case? Yeah, so in that case, um, the, the e-house contained electrical switchgear. And so the, the hospital's been in lower Manhattan uh, for, for decades. 
the switchgear that they had in use has reached the end of its useful life. Uh, so it's age aging out and they're starting to have some reliability problems. So working with a major switchgear OEM, we packaged their switchgear inside of a transportable e-house, uh, which was then taken to the site and put up on the roof, uh, put back together and um, put into service by a local electrical contractor. So we'll get into more of the logistics uh, here in a minute of how that all happens, because that, that's obviously going to be a major task. But uh, to go through logistics like that and to put a building as big as some of what you're describing on top of a pre-existing building, uh, there have to be a, a numerous benefits to this uh, to make it kind of worth the time and worth the effort and that sort of thing. So let's run down some of those benefits, if you don't mind, Rob. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in the, in the case of switchgear, um, if if they were to do this without an e-house approach. So you're working with multiple trades to get product from grade level up to the top of the roof of the hospital. Um, in our case, we do all of that work in our factory. And the only placement you have to do, although I'm making it sound easy, the only placement you have to do is get a 26 foot by <laughs> 66 foot building uh, that's 162,000 pounds up on top of the, the hospital. But if you think about it, it's, it's easier logistically to set a crane up and make a couple of picks versus having hundreds of tradesmen over a six-month period uh, transit up and down stairs uh, getting you know, onto that hospital roof. So this really sounds like something that saves time then, because you mentioned kind of that six-month span of people going up and down, you know, up to a roof, back down, and, uh, and all of that stuff. Uh, just doing this kind of prefabricating it and then doing the move kind of in a, in a swift, I suppose, a sweeping movement uh, really does save time for the project. Yeah, absolutely. So it is a lot about staging, right? So we do all the upfront work in our factory. Uh, uh, manufacture this product naturally you can't ship a 26 by 66 uh, foot um, building over the road so we have to break it up into pieces mm -hmm. so when it shows up to the site this one specifically was in in four sections it it's staged nearby and when we get our clearance to shut down the road and get our our crane in place then the trucks drive in and each individual piece is lifted in in this case it happened overnight so rather than having hundreds of tradesmen for a six-month period, uh, we were able to um, you know, bring in 20 folks in a crane and within uh, uh, one night have all four pieces up on the roof. Wow, that's, that's pretty incredible. Uh, and I'm guessing that there's also a, a, a money-saving aspect to this as well, right? If you're able to kind of do it quicker and that sort of thing. Talk to me a little bit more about how this saves money in the long run. Sure. So because we're building it in a factory environment where all of our tools are in the same spot, all of our materials are, are where we expect them to be, all of our trades are in one location, um, we're able to reduce the overall cost of the project. Then take into account the logistics. Um, so the fact that we're able to get it done quicker, we're able to deploy and implement it at the job site quicker uh, helps the customer save money in the long run. Absolutely. And so we kind of mentioned a little bit about the logistics. It sounds like there's a lot that kind of goes into planning something like this. And me being uh, not a great planner just in my day-to-day -day life, that, that tends to overwhelm me a little bit. But uh, it sounds like Tracty really manages and handles a lot of these logistics. So when you talk about, you know, a hospital in, in Manhattan, you're talking about probably having to close roads and bringing in cranes and things like that. How does Tracty kind of manage all of the logistics and, and kind of take that off of, you know, other people's plates? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. We, we have teams of folks um, on staff, uh, folks that 
their job is to work with our logistics suppliers. So they deal with the uh, trucks. They deal with uh, what size truck do we need to haul each load? What is the route that that truck's going to take from one of our factories to the final destination? As you start getting into these inner cities, there's um, route surveys that have to happen as far as um, you know, checking roads for, for proper width, checking any overhead obstructions to make sure we're not going to hit anything. Um, the more congested the area is, we, we even get into doing turn-by-turn -turn route surveys. Those turn-by-turn -turn route surveys are where someone goes and looks at each intersection that our truck is going to drive on and make sure that that truck can actually make the turn. Sometimes our trucks from, from front to rear could exceed 125 feet in length. So that's, that's not easy to drive around in inner city streets with. Oh, I believe that. I believe that 100%. So as we're talking about uh, the decisions that people have to make in these types of cases of just making sure that what they have is going to work for them. If we look at it like a menu, let's say, what decisions are available to your customers, to your clients, and how do you kind of help them walk through that decision-making process uh, if we're kind of looking at it like a menu of choices, let's say? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the, these large capital projects um, do involve multiple steps, multiple stages. I look at it kind of like a journey, and, and Tracti can go... Um, the, the full journey and, and help the client with every phase of it, or we can kind of step in and step out of that journey. So for example, if the client says, uh, Tracti, we'd like you to handle the crane. So once this arrives at the site, we'd like you to contract with the crane company to pick that and place the product. Uh, we can do that. If the end user says, you know, I, I have a crane company that I use, they're already on my job site, so we're going to exclude that from your scope. Uh, hmm. we, we can work with them to coach and guide uh, the crane and rigging process, but not actually take that into our scope. So it's not just a, um, it's not like a prepackaged thing where if you want one thing, you have to take it all kind of like cable television, let's say, where if you want ESPN, you also have to have all of the other stuff. It's, they can kind of pick and choose what they need. Um, they could have, you know, Tracti do all of it, or they could have Tracti do just bits and pieces. So it's, it's a little bit more flexible in that way. It is. Um, the whole thing, kind of stepping back, the whole thing starts with a system design. Mm -hmm. So we, we have to do a needs analysis with the client, figure out what it is they're trying to achieve, why are they doing what they're doing, what's important to them. So now we can design the e-house. By, by having this e-house go into a difficult location, like a rooftop or under a bridge, then we have to uh, analyze our layout and design to make sure that we can split that apart and safely not only get it to the site, but safely get it to its final destination on top of the roof. Absolutely. So I, um, I understand if there's, if you can't mention like specific names of hospitals or buildings or, you know, different places, but what are some other maybe examples? Cause we, we've talked about the hospital example quite a bit. What are some other examples without, you know, giving away exactly where it is or, or who it is or anything like that? But what are some other examples of places where these have been installed and, and you've kind of overcome the various challenges, you know, of installing something like this in, uh, you know, in an inner city area or something? like that sure so so three recent projects um we, we mentioned the the hospital major hospital system in, in lower manhattan we also recently have uh, a successful project at another major hospital system in uh, downtown boston um we have a project uh, you mentioned bridges before we have a project at a, a major bridge um, about 25 miles north of manhattan uh, crossing the hudson river um, we have major projects in power generation facilities. 
um, and then some projects in government installations as well. And each one of them naturally brings its own its own set of challenges, and um, based on each location, uh, we have to be able to adapt. It really sounds like Tracti has just so much expertise in this particular area um, that is necessary for projects of this of this size, of this magnitude, right? And so I, I was wondering if you could just speak a little bit more towards uh, your expertise as a company and then you having experience in this industry, just a little bit more about um, why it's so important to know what you're doing in these particular cases, let's say. Yeah, great, great approach. Um, so... Tracti's been around since 1901, so we're certainly not new uh, to business and not new to the market. And we have decades of experience under our belt for e-houses. Many power utility companies in the U.S., many engineering firms, and many end-user clients um, trust Tracti and their expertise uh, to close the loop and get their capital projects uh, completed. Me personally, I've, I've been involved in, in e-houses and major electrical projects like Switchgear uh, for over 30 years. I've worked with several major manufacturers of uh, Switchgear and electrical components and then have been involved for 20 plus years on the integration of that equipment. So bringing that equipment into an e-house, it gives us the ability to source material and, and equipment from multiple manufacturers and put it all in one e-house, one, one brand, one, one system that works well together for the client. So earlier, Rob, you mentioned that um, you were able to kind of complete the, you know, the, the project overnight. You were able to raise the crane up and, you know, lift everything on top of the building that you needed to do. But were you, at that point, were you, were you fully done or was there more that needed to happen to complete the installation at that point? Yeah, great question. Don't want to deceive our audience here. Um, well, once the, the crane got all the pieces up on the roof, um, that's when all the fun started, right? So it allowed us to clear the street. So in the example of the um, project in Manhattan, we had about 10 hours um, that the city gave us to have that street blocked off. Uh, so our challenge was to get all the pieces of that building up onto the roof. Once we did that, then the crane could disassemble and get out of the way. That, that's when all the reassembly of the building started, right? So it went up in multiple pieces. So structurally, you have to put that building back together. Once we get it structurally together, then you have to start focusing on making sure it's weatherproof. So uh, water is the enemy of switchgear. We want to make sure that we, we seal that building back up uh, to its original condition and that no water will, will penetrate and damage anything inside. Then the longer part is we have to put all the electrical back together. So as the building split for us to ship, there were electrical connections that had to be taken apart. And, and, and once it's back at the site, now those have to be put back together. The last piece would be all the site folks that are there. So um, you do need site electricians, and, and those folks are a, a valuable asset for getting this project completed, and they're doing all the retrofit. So now that our building is there with the new switchgear in it, the electricians can start swapping uh, wires over from the old switchgear to the new system. So I, I suppose when we talk about retrofitting a building, specifically like a hospital, like what we're saying and the example that we've we've really focused on and talked quite a bit about, this isn't a place where you can just shut off power for a certain amount of time. So when you talk about bringing in electricians that then do kind of the work of retrofitting the building, how are they able to accomplish this without shutting off power to a hospital, which obviously has to remain going 24-7 because lives depend on it. So there's a lot of kind of precision, I suppose, that has to go into that. Yeah, Tyler, um, you know, in addition to 
lifting our product up onto the roof and, and not being able to um, stop any of the flow in and out of the hospital, not shut down a surgical wing, um, not shut down the emergency room. Uh, uh, babies are still being born and surgeons are still operating. So all of our work had to go on um, basically unnoticed to the folks below us in the mm -hmm. hospital. And, and that certainly extends through the um, final installation that the uh, electrical contractor deals with, right? So they're, they're having to transfer loads in a safe fashion. Um, and certainly, in this case, it was a little over 13,000-volt system. Um, so they, they do have to shut some things down safely to move things over. And in those cases, uh, uh, they'll bring in temporary power sometimes to, to power that up while they switch circuits over. Sure, sure. And is there is there a sense to which... Um, there's a modernization of the technology that, that is brought in with an e-house that maybe if you are retrofitting an older building, that you're able to kind of update some of the technology that exists there and can be, uh, that technology, I suppose, can be purposed for that building the way that they need to use it. Um, so in the case of a hospital, they're able to take that more modern technology and utilize it in their workflows and that sort of thing. So frequently, um, these upgrades bring um, layers of advantages to the end user. Some could be um, back upstream to the utility. So the new, uh, new electrical equipment that's in our e-house may communicate better, may have um, a ability to do uh, sub-metering, uh, revenue-grade sub-metering. So in the case of the hospital, they may charge different departments um, for power usage, and new equipment allows them to do that. Uh, certainly has better protection on the circuit breakers within the switchgear. So electromechanical relays are, are older style. Electromechanical relays are the, are the older style on switchgear and have been replaced with electronic relaying, uh, which is much faster in its reaction time. Also, it's communication time, so you can do some predictive maintenance with uh, that product as well. So it does give a, a, a safer installation to the, to the end user, but also um, there's much more diagnostics. There's much more um, uh, ways to access that gear electronically than there would be with the product they're replacing. If we had to summarize, you know, kind of just into bullet points, the primary uh, advantages of placing an e-house in one of these uh, difficult locations, how would we summarize that? How would you summarize that and kind of uh, bullet point it for somebody uh, who maybe uh, zoned out for parts of the podcast and just wants the recap? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, uh, the, the bullet points to take home for this, we, we save time at the project level. Uh, we can compress schedules by doing it all within our factory environment. Uh, the quality, um, our skilled craftsmen bring a quality uh, to that end, end product that uh, you can't get by bringing multiple tradesmen to a, to a job site. Um, you improve cost um, overall uh, and delivered cost as well. Um, and then safety. Uh, and, and you can't put a cost on that safety factor of it. And we, we certainly are, are taking risk when we lift um, uh, uh, sections of a building that weigh 160,000 pounds. Um, but we're, we're managing that risk much better than if you let that project run six, eight months with hundreds of tradesmen at the site. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Rob, thank you so much for joining me today uh, on the Powerhouse Players uh, podcast and talking a little bit more about uh, these difficult locations and why they're so ideal for e-house applications. Yeah, Tyler, it was my pleasure. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please go subscribe on either iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, make sure to stay up to date with the latest episodes of the podcast. You can also go back and listen to previous episodes as well. So once again, thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Until next time.